Welcome to the 12th Man Rising Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Kevin Daggett and Lee Vowell. And welcome to the 12th Man Rising Podcast. Sorry, we just got uh, Seahawks are moving past Wilson drama, according to the to the score. Just got a thing on uh, Pete Carroll said Wilson drama is old news for the Seahawks. I saw something this week, Kevin, you probably saw it too, where it was like, oh, they had a press conference. The press conference they had on draft day, which is where John Schneider and Pete Carroll addressed the the Russell Wilson quote unquote drama. Cause I don't think it was really drama. It was just a talking point this off season where they were like, yeah, and John Schneider was like, yeah, I never really took any serious calls about trading Russell Wilson, but I'm always willing to listen to anybody who calls, but we were never in talks. We, we've probably talked about this before, but I, I never really had, it would never cross my mind that they'd actually trade, uh, the uh, trade Russell Wilson. It was more like, well, if they trade, if they traded him, what, what would they get for him? But did you ever think there was a chance that they would ever actually trade Russell Wilson? Not for who they were talking about trading with. I mean, that, of course, there's, I mean, it's a business. There's always, you know, if you can trade things and for what, you know, get something really good, what you're looking for, a Patrick Mahomes or, you know, something like that. But I, no, I didn't think. I thought it was. <laughs> You know, Wilson said something in an interview and it got, you know, the media these days just takes off with things. And, you know, everybody likes to to crank on the Seahawks for some reason. I mean, it wasn't Percy Harvin news or you know, things like, like what the heck was going on with that guy or, you know, Richard Sherman stuff. But, no, I don't think they were ever really serious about trading him. But, hey, topic comes up. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Yeah, especially in the off season when you're trying to find stuff to talk about, right? Kind of yeah. like what we're doing. I mean, we're not, you know, there's always, the NFL does a really good job of, of trying to, you know, spread out, like, here's the draft, here's the schedule release, which they started putting out on, like, a, a big event uh, on the NFL Network now to release the schedule when we already know the opponents. What they really should do is, wait to release who the opponents are other than the NFL, NFL, let's try to get English, NFC West teams every year. They should hold that off until April too. Like, oh, here's it. But we already know who the other division is that they're playing because they rotate every four years. So, I mean, I don't know. That's To me, that's an overplayed event that the NFL network and the NFL do because it's like we already know who the Seahawks are basically playing every year except for I guess at this point there'd be what uh, six if I'm doing math four ten so there's seven games that maybe the opponents are up in the air and maybe they could really but we already know what they do with the first place teams versus make the schedule harder it seems kind of overblown at some point it's going to be you know fans are going to be like yeah whatever just just tell me when the games are you could do that in January and go ahead and plan on where my trips are going to be and ask for time off and buy tickets. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, I just sure wish that indie game was at home instead of at indie. You know, I mean, <laughs> God, what a, what a difference that would make. Yeah, I agree. I don't, you know, they, they got, I guess they got to look for just like the Russell Wilson news off season stuff, make it an event. But yeah, yep. I mean, 
it is what and, it is. And then we had rookie mini camp, and then in in June we'll have something. And July, of course, it kind of starts back because you have training camp, and then preseason in, in August, and then roster cuts. So the NFL has to be the biggest, baddest game in in the continent, and so they have to figure out ways to spread it out. It gets a little annoying to be honest, but it is what it is. So, um, you know, there's, there's some Seahawks rumors and stuff to talk about. Not even rumors, but one thing I want to bring up Puna Ford, who I think is that he went undrafted is kind of a crime because everybody knew he was a good player, but now he's actually moving to Jaron Reed's old position. So theoretically the Seahawks want Ford to get a lot more pressure on the quarterback than he's had to be expected to do up until this point. He's been re-signed, of course, this offseason, so he's going to be a Seattle Seahawk for as long as he wants to be a Seahawk, probably, because he's really good at what he does. He's a great run stopper. Do you think he actually has the ability to pressure quarterbacks in the same manner Jaron Reed did? In the same manner Jaron Reed did? I I don't know. They're a little different body styles. Um and he might, one's, he's going to have one six, eight and one's four eleven. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I mean, you know, they may weigh the same, but I mean, there's just a high <laughs> little point. Um, it'll be, I, I, I guess if they're changing the defense, it'll be interesting. I mean, I think with the defensive line they have, um, there's going to be a lot of focus on, um, not not a lot of focus on Puna Ford, so it may free him up to put more pressure on the quarterback. But I mean, if that's what they want him to do, that's what he's going to have to do. But I agree with you. I think he's he's good at what he does. I hopefully he can be a Seahawk for as long as you want, like you said. But um, you know, I, I got, they're different. They're different players. But you know, I guess he, he could do it. We'll see. Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised. I mean, Ford has a lot of ability and should have been drafted. Heck, he should, probably should have been drafted in the second or third round. The only reason he wasn't is because of his height, which you kind of you know brought up. But I'm not sure he has that true ability to pressure quarterbacks. And, and what's really going to help the outside pass rush is an interior rush. I, I was a little bit surprised they were talking about moving forward over to Reed's old position to be able to get more pressure interior pressure instead of like, Hey, we're going to play LJ Collier at tackle because he can, or carry Hyder at tackle because he can, or regime green. Instead, it's like, instead of rotating those players out, they seem to have just given forward, like, here's your position. I don't know. It seems kind of, I don't know how that, that move. I mean, the, the Seahawks have Alden, the Alden Smith situation still has to play out. We won't know until at least July, probably past that. Um, and you kind of brought up a couple of weeks ago when we were doing this podcast that maybe what seemed on the surface as far as what happened wasn't really what we were led to believe. And maybe there's a lot more depth to it. Maybe he's going to not be convicted of a crime and maybe he'll be a Seahawk in 2021 and deserves to be a Seahawk in 2021. But outside pressure, they have tons of players who theoretically could do that. But if you don't get any interior pressure, it, it the offense can scheme against that. So I guess my concern would be the inside pressure. So hopefully they they play with that. Do you think, um, I mean, you know, Ken Norton Jr. is still 
the coach of the defense at this point. The defense did improve at the end of last year. Do you think he actually has the coaching ability to make the pass rush good all along the defensive line without having to involve Jamal Adams's 18 sacks again? Not 18, but it was pretty close for a secondary player. But, you know, you don't want to bring secondary pressure if you don't have to. If you can get pressure, as as we know from being Seahawks fans, if you can get pressure on that front four, that could lead to a Super Bowl win. But I don't know. Do you think they have? Do you think can Norton Jr. can coach them up enough to to supply that pressure with what the players with the players they have in twenty twenty one? Well, if Jamal Adams hadn't missed four games, he might have had eighteen sacks. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, fired Norton at the beginning of the year last year, and then at the end, it's like I was too. Is he a good coach? I don't know. Is he a bad? <laughs> what? I mean, what happened? I mean, I don't even know what happened. But, Carlos Dunlap, I mean, I don't know, but I, I get, you know, Nort, who else are you going to get? Um, you know, you go get Richard back, but he, I, I'm sure he's got the ability to do it. It's all going to depend on the players. And we got a lot. I mean, there's all those players that you were mentioning are really good. And I do hope Alden Smith can play. I, I, um, I hope that ends up being, uh, as the, uh, used to say in politics, haven't heard in a while, a nothing burger, but um, uh, <laughs> I really do for that, for his sake. I mean, the guy's, the guy's been through a lot. He's had a lot of issues. He may still have some issues, um, but I like him. He's a big, bad defensive lineman, and I'm glad he's on my team, and I hope he will be on my team when the season starts because I think he can make an impact. And there's a, like you said, I mean, there's a lot of guys in there. You know, and after you started you start mentioning those names, I'm like, why do they want Puna Ford to put outside pressure on the quarterback <laughs> when you have all these? What? That's not what he does, but I don't know. <laughs> when you yeah, started mentioning those names, going, wait, what? <laughs> I mean, I guess they want him to, if you can break the pocket down, you know, from the interior, it makes the outside guy, it makes the quarterback move up. And then you get those interior guys who can bring down the quarterback, which is one thing, but they have enough. I mean, because you think of when they won the Super Bowl, they had Averill and they had Bennett, right? And they did have some really good interior guys. But one thing they did is move Bennett around to the inside and they had, you know, other players who could do stuff. It, it's just, I just hope Ken Norton Jr. has the creativity to actually involve the defensive line as a whole and move players around. But you mentioned something before we started the podcast just about the the NFL network, right? And about how they thought Seattle could actually be third or fourth in the division. Is that right? Yeah, I, I forget who it was. It was I think it was uh, Tuesday or you know whatever day it is now, but. They were, it was a, one of the morning shows, and they were talking about the NFC West. And, and um, one of the guys goes, yeah, I think the, it's going to be the, the, uh, the Rams and San Francisco and then uh, the Cardinals. And then Seattle is going to finish last. And he said, because – and they're both – this is basically what they both said. And it, it, it makes some sense. I don't totally agree with it but because I'm a Seahawks fan. But they said the, the – the um, the Niners had a lot of injuries last year, <clears throat> and their defense is good. 
So their defense is going to be bad if, back if they can stay healthy. And the L.A. Rams, their defense has gotten better with, um, uh, you know, J.J. Watt, Chandler, all those guys. They're good. They've gotten better. And the Seahawks, really, all they did with their offensive line was they added Gabe Jackson. And they had all these problems and all these complaints with the offensive line. And all they've really done is add Gabe Jackson. So with everybody else's defense getting better and the Seattle's offensive line not getting much better, Seattle's not going to – they're still going to have the same problems they had that Wilson was complaining about. And they're going to finish – one guy said third and one guy said fourth. I, I don't know if it was Solomon Wilcox or – one of those guys, but, um, but, uh, that was kind of their, their justification for putting the Seahawks in the, in towards the bottom of the division. I was like, eh, you got some points, <laughs> but say they yeah. Are <laughs> yeah. I mean, the offensive line, I, I still think they're better with I mean, the problem last year was besides r- really the problem last year was health. Right, you didn't know who was, and that could be a problem this year. I mean, maybe Dwayne Brown misses; he's getting older. He's still a great left tackle, but maybe he misses some games. Um, but you know, the only question is Ethan Posick to me at this point, because Damian Lewis is going to flip over and play beside Dwayne Brown, which is only going to make um, Lewis better. And then I think Brandon Shell is fine at right tackle. He just got hurt, and maybe he will again this year because he always has a history of getting hurt. And Gabe Jackson is an improvement over an injured IU Potty or whoever is his backup. But Ethan Posick was good in the first five games of last year, and then he got hurt, and then he came back, and he wasn't as good. So that's really the only question. But I I think that the thing people are underestimating, I I think the offensive line is better, going to be better, at least on paper, obviously. But the way Shane Waldron is going to use that offense is going to – the offensive line is still important, obviously, but it's a lot. It's a little bit less important than it was under Schottenheimer's offense, because Waldron's going to have a lot more moving pieces as far as skill players are involved. So the blocking is more of technique and scheme instead of just straight up moving people forward, which is what it was under Schottenheimer. So it is what it is. I mean, it's a tough division. Every team in the division is good. It's not like they it's the Seahawks versus the NFC East or or the Seahawks and the Rams versus the NFC East. I mean, these all the teams are good. Um yeah, any team in any other division might win the division at this point. And I'm and I'm pretty confident that there was a conversation with Waldron and Carroll where Waldron might have said something to this effect that listen, you you have been accused of hamstringing Brian Schottenheimer as the offensive coordinator and telling him what to do. If I come in here, you're not going to do that with me. You know what I mean? So I, I'm sure Waldron had that discussion. I was like, listen, this is going to be my offense, and I need to do what I need to do to make it work. And, I, and I, at least I hope he had that conversation. Yeah, I would I would hope so. If, I were, if you and I were – are most people going to be an offensive coordinator in the Seahawks with the Seahawks, knowing that they are a successful team? You know, I would go into that interview as far as, you know, I, I want to change. I have a good, pretty good gig with the Rams, but if I'm going to be the offensive coordinator to 
I'm still a young guy and want to make my career better, then I need to have a lot more control over the offense. And Brian Schottenheimer is still Marty's son. I mean, he, he wasn't a bad coach, but he couldn't evolve at all. And Waldron's offense on paper, if it's anything like Sean McVay's offense, is far beyond uh, as far as evolution of offense in the NFL than Schottenheimer's. So I'm... It's either going to it's either the players are going to figure out the system with all the terminology changes and stuff like that. I mean, I'm hoping that we, if anything, we have a flip flop from what we saw in 2020, which is the offense really was the issue at the end of 2020. Which is, if you were in a cave and you fell asleep halfway through this 2020 season, you woke up like, oh, the, the offense is the issue. You're like, you're crazy. What the heck? But that was the issue. The defense got much better because of health of players, but. Yeah, I mean, that's my my. I think the the offense might start off slower and get better as twenty twenty one moves on. That's my hope. But you know, with Russell Wilson as a quarterback, they could be really good to start with. But anyway, most importantly, we'll be right back after these messages, including one from Manscaped. Breaking news: This important PSA is brought to you by Manscaped dot com. This is your pubic service announcement and the news you've all been waiting for. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have been they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available for purchase in the USA and Canada. The new trimmer was just released only moments ago, and we are one of the first to get our hands on it and share the news. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0 and blown away by the performance. The craftsmanship and details of the 4.0 are next level. Their advanced ceramic blade and skin-safe technology is so good that it almost seems like as if Manscaped worked with Elon Musk's engineers to ensure your testes are as safe as possible. And uh, I actually have used this product, and it is it is pretty good. It's um I would one thing I would do is uh, there's a guard that comes with it. Um, use that in the uh, very nether of the regions. What makes this trimmer different from all the other trimmers? A new multifunction on-off switch can engage a travel lock created for people who like to travel. The lawnmower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn the 4 4K LED spotlight on and off when needed for more precise shave. The new trimmer even allows you to customize your trim all over through additional guards length with sizes one through four. And looks wise, it's sleek, a two-tone matte and gloss finish, even features a hot foil stamped black chrome Manscaped logo. Show that mower off loud and proud. The optimized lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is waterproof so you can groom in the shower. Don't have to worry about making a mess on the bathroom floor which your wife will appreciate because mine does. Did I mention wireless charging? The Monmore 4.0 new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. If you're still trimming your face with your ball trimmer, it's time to make some changes. Get 20% off free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. No person wants to end up with pubes in their mouth and your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. 
That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code FANSIDED20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. I mean, you know, products are out there for people to use, and that's probably a, a one specific product that people should use. I mean, you know, it is what it is. It's kind of, it's kind of funny that we talk about Manscaped or, the, you know, and they kind of have some some fun with it as far as the wording too but you know it's it's just it's a good product right it is it's interesting you watch some youtube videos on some of the reviews and it's so funny i mean the guys are talking about you know their balls and stuff and you just can't help but giggle it's just funny it's like i mean <laughs> you know all men have but it's just funny to talk about that stuff openly i guess i guess we're in a, we're in a new new world because you know, 20, 30 years ago, you mentioned balls. It's like, oh, my God. That's true. Balls. <laughs> it's like Beavis and Butthead. You said balls. Excellent point, actually. It's funny. So we're, we're, um, we had a couple of things we were going to talk about on the show that we're, I think we'll save for next podcast. Because um, we can talk about favorite Seahawks for, for a long time. And I had on the, the outline to have three different uh, Seahawks that we might have. We might expand that and hold that for next podcast. But I do want to talk about Pete Carroll is going to be 72 years old um, in the 2021 season, which is, you know, 72 nowadays is not that old. But at some point, Pete Carroll, who is also the vice president of football operations, we will need to move on from Pete Carroll as being head coach of the Seahawks. So I wrote an article that... I didn't really look at the comments, to be honest, because I thought people would get upset by who I put on there. But I had Greg Roman, Luke Fickle, and Jim Harbaugh, as because Harbaugh's been talked about before, as as part of a possibility of replacing Carroll someday. Harbaugh has been a successful coach. I mean, he has he done great with Michigan. It's it's funny because I think he gets he gets how many losses is Michigan had? They go 10 and three and it looks like he's a bad coach. I don't think he's a bad coach. And John, his brother is a really good NFL coach. And Jim was really good with the 49ers. Do I want to see him as a Seahawks coach? Heck, I want to see anybody who's going to lead the Seahawks to a Super Bowl as the next head coach of the Seahawks. I think Luke fickle would fit because he is a, he's worked his way up. He's been a very successful college coach. He's taken the university of Cincinnati after leaving Ohio state and made the defense look a lot like Seahawks defenses. And Greg Roman is just maybe he's the guy he's worked his way up to, had very good teams um, or offenses because he's an offensive coach. And those are just three names I, th- I threw out. Pete Carroll is, you know, we'll get into favorite Seahawks. I love Pete Carroll as a head coach. Uh, people, you know, kind of diss Carroll, but I'm like, he's the most successful Seahawks coach. How many other teams will take him as their head coach? Most of them would. He's a very good head coach, and I hope he stays the Seahawks head coach. But he won't always. And he might decide, I don't want to be head coach anymore. I just want to be VP of operation, football operations. So do you have guys in mind that you would like to see replace Pete Carroll? You know, it's funny. When you, you put that on there, I said, I'm like, huh. I haven't even really thought too much about that because Pete Carroll is just the coach. Isn't he going to be there all the time? I mean, you know, and. But you're right. He is, even though he does, um, you know, he he looks a lot younger than he is. I mean, he acts a lot younger. He's out there throwing the ball with guys before the games, and 
all that stuff. And I haven't really put much thought into it. I think, I think some of these younger guys, I mean, like um, McVay coming up, um, he's doing well. And um, what's that Cardinals guy? Um, they're, their head coach. I mean, some of these younger guys coming in, I, I think, uh, um, you know, I guess it really depends on when he does decide to quit. Cause I, th- I think it is going to be a, a situation where Pete Carroll decides not to be the coach anymore. Um, you know, I think he and Snyder or Snyder, no matter how many times throughout the season, I think Schneider, you know, should uh, be fired but he still he still does does a good job and makes things work and and um you know makes the team better with some of his moves even though lack of moves at times irritate the heck out of me then then he makes moves <laughs> like oh hey that was pretty good what he did but you know and it's like i take all my bad things i said about him back but um you know i really don't know i mean i like those guys harbaugh i just He's um, I just don't like that guy. But if he, <laughs> I, I don't, really I don't, know. I think he's a jerk to be honest. Yeah, uh, but you know, but I think he. But if he, but if he comes, like, it's like it's like Steve Spurrier. Do I like Steve Spurrier? Not really. Would I like him as a coach of my football team? Then I would probably love the guy. But um. It's funny. It's yeah. funny you bring up Steve Spurrier because I—that's a good point, actually. To me, the difference—and I don't know either of those guys personally. I know a little bit about. I I know more probably about more uh, Steve Spurrier's background and where he came from than than Jim Harbaugh. I think John seems like a good, decent guy, and maybe some of the things Jim says are Jim saying them instead of him as a person. But I think a lot of the things that Spurrier did when he was a coach was just to kind of ruffle feathers. He's I, from everything I've seen since he was coaching in coaching and since coaching, he seems like a good dude. And he was just saying it because that's what he felt like he should do is kind of jokingly. Jim kind of seems like a, I don't know, like he's a little bit full of himself. Spurrier never really seen that way, but I, I, I could see Jim being a head, a better head coach at the NFL level than at the college level, because probably just not he just probably hates recruiting but if you get enough if you have a i guess my concern about jim harbaugh is would he work well with a very good general manager that the seahawks have in john schneider if if because pete doesn't answer to john as you know the seahawks have a very unique situation the head coach doesn't answer directly to the general manager so if jim got brought in he would answer to to john schneider but he would also answer to pete carroll that would be my only concern. And that's, you know, I didn't address that in the article that I wrote, but, but I still think Jim Harbaugh would be a decent head coach and or a good head coach in the NFL. Yeah, he, he would. I mean, he was with the Niners and I mean, you know, it took him to the Super Bowl, but it's, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. That, that, that would take some thinking and kind of surfing around and seeing, you know who is, but there's there's a lot of up and coming up and coming. Butch uh, Jones. No, I'm joking. Yeah, <laughs> Lane Kiffin. So. <laughs> uh, it's it's funny you joke about Lane Kiffin, but the guy keeps falling up. At some point, he's going to be another. He's going to be a head coach in the NFL again, even though he failed as a Raider. It's just I don't know what it is. Yeah. 
I, I, I a couple of people had on my list. Kirby Smart, who I don't, I, I think it would be a great NFL coach. I don't think he ever will. He's a Georgia guy, like he's born and raised in Georgia. He's a college coach, but I still think he's young enough and would be good enough to be in the NFL. Um, and you brought up Chris Richard earlier. To me, it was a crock that Richard ever got let go as defensive coach for the Seahawks. He's a great coach. He's a great football coach. I could see him being a really good head coach because the players love him, right? Yeah, he is, he is a good coach. He's very methodical and and um, I I think he is a good coach. He, yeah, that was kind of a bum. I mean, he's you know he's doing well where he is now. I don't I don't. We'll see what. He's still he's still at Dallas, right? I think so. Yeah. yeah. As far as I yeah. Yeah, I had a guy speaking of Dallas. I had a guy that worked today. So he goes, "What? What? Your Seahawks look bad." I'm like, "What are you talking about? My Seahawks look bad." He's a Cowboys fan. He goes, "Man, that defense isn't as good as they think it is." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> I'm like, "Dude, what? What? Did, who have you been listening to, man?" He goes, "It's not Russell. Russell Wilson's going to leave." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> Cowboys fans coming. always seem to have a weird worldview of things. Yeah, your dude's coming back from a snapped leg. We'll see how that works out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's funny because Cowboys fans are like, man, you haven't even. I mean, it's been since the early '90s they were relevant. It's weird talking to Dallas fans, but I don't know. Anyway, but um, yeah, I mean. Somebody's going to have to replace Pete Carroll probably in the next couple of years. And and I wrote that article. Oh, Pete's not going anywhere. It's like, you know, he's still VP of football operations. He might decide in two years. It's like, I mean, I, you know, I watched this video of him at rookie minicamp and the guy, he's, he's what, 29 years. No, that's not right. He's 22 years older than I am. And he has more energy probably than I've ever had in my life. So I'm not one to judge Pete Carroll. Like he could probably be coaching at 90 and I'd be like, you know, the same as I am. Like, I don't have the energy to do that. And he'd probably be good. And no, you kind of hit on it. No coach is perfect. Even people love Bill Belichick, but even he, he makes kind of stupid decisions at times, but, um, it'll be interesting to see how 2021 plays out. If they miss the playoffs, I think a lot of changes happen. Um, you know, maybe Pete Carroll's not going to get fired because he'd have to fire himself really. But at the same point, oh, Rob, Rob, who produces the show, Mike Caldwell is a coach. I think we'd, we'd like Mike. I went to school with Mike. So that's kind of an unfair <laughs> question. <laughs> Actually, uh, Rob, since you brought it up, his sister, Nikki Caldwell, Nikki Caldwell Vargas, her birthday is today. And I said, happy birthday to Nikki, because they're just a solid family. So happy birthday to the LSU basketball coach. To bringing this full circle. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's that's our show. I, I don't really have anything to add, but as always, Kevin has the final two words. Go Hawks. <laughs> <laughs>